0: Welcome to Off The Record. I've gotten occasionally two and a half hours of sleep while sleeping in an airport in Tampa. Uh, it shows you got two and a half hours of sleep since that just
1: made no sense whatsoever.
0: Huh. Well, <laughs> yesterday afternoon I was in D.C. And then I was in Tampa for 11 hours. And then I had a 6.10 a.m. flight back after getting Taco Bus in Tampa at 1.30 a.m. You ever been to Tampa? Uh, I have. I almost went to school there. Really?
1: Yeah. Or, or maybe was, I was Orlando. Wherever Full Sail oh. I went for one day. I wanted to go to school there when I was a sophomore in high school. Yeah. I think, funny enough, I think it was about the same time, but obviously about, you know, uh 15 years apart, but yeah, I went down for a day and I said, yeah, I'm going to go to school in New York. New York's a lot more fun.
0: Tampa, Florida is a weird place. I now understand why everyone from Florida is just insane. <laughs> my, my, well, my sister went to school there and kids would openly say the
1: N word in her college classes. And, you know, we grew up in the most liberal town in America and uh,
0: you can open carry there. And she's like, fuck this. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> There were chickens in trees and on top of cars uh, in the middle of a busy area. And then there is a famous person called the foot licker that I learned about. Uh, I was standing next to Dan from Real Friends and this random dude that we thought was like a sketchy fan of the band walks up to him and goes, what kind of sandals do you have? And he goes, I don't know. I, they're like 15 bucks from Target. And, he, and, the, and, the, and the foot licker goes, can I see the bottom of your sandal? And he kneels down and he licks from the bottom to the top of Dan from Real Friends' sandal. Mm. And another guy in another band. And uh, a cop was around the corner and goes, oh, that's just the famous foot licker. Look him up on YouTube. And all of these videos have like 15,000 views of this weird-ass dude just licking the bottoms of feet. Um, so that was my weekend. And then uh, a drunk mom took a 15-year-old daughter to a show and uh, was just kind of flashing her um, breasts around in front of her 15-year-old daughter. No. And uh, was drugged out and drunked out and uh, was just kind of making out with people uh, in the back of, not in the back of the venue, in the venue, but like outside the back way of the venue, just making out with random dudes in front of her 15-year-old daughter. Uh, Wow.
1: So, so the question is, was the 15-year-old daughter the one who was into Real Friends, or was the mom the one The, who da- was into the Real daughter
0: Friends? was super into Real Friends. In fact, they went into the show and got kicked out because the mom was so insane, and the venue threatened to call the cops. And the daughter was very upset, and we got her back into the show, which left her mom outside for three hours to um, do unmotherly things. Wow, that is dark. This all happened in 11 hours for me in Tampa. Uh, You you know what I think it was,
1: is I've been sober for eight days now. And so I think my sobriety is making the rest of the world more crazy because usually I just take in some of the brunt of it.
0: I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that. (laughs) (laughs) To follow up, which can be found at offtherecord.fm backslash tag backslash episodes, there's a lot of follow up this week. To start things off... um, Last week, I talked a whole bunch about, the whole last half of the episode, I talked about Properties Act situation with Spin Media and how on January 1st, the ownership of the website reverts back to us. And beyond that, Jesse and I sort of went through the process of the quote-unquote personal hell I've been dealing with for the last nine months and somewhat two years. Um A few people wrote in asking me to Talk about the other sites that were brought into the Absolute Voices equation at that time when uh, Property Zach was sold to them. Those websites being Alter the Press and Under the Gun. Uh, I don't want to exactly speak for those websites, but uh, I don't have a problem sort of sharing a little bit of the differences between where Property Zach is today and where those two sites are now. And I can really only sort of speak for under the gun since I'm, uh, I've i not been in contact with John from all to the press in several years. But the difference is and ultimately, I think the reason why I was more easily and I use giant air quotes for easily uh, got out of my contract was because of two main things, three main things. One. Properties Act is run on Tumblr, which means uh, we never had server data, server data uh, transferred over to Spin Media's uh, servers. Uh, two, Spin Media never transferred the ownership of the Properties Act domain to them. That means um, Properties Act's domain is still on my hosting domain site five years later. Three, the website has my name in it. So as we kind of talked about last week, if I quit the website and they had someone else named Steve run the website that might be a little difficult for them
1: um and oh, that would it would also be uh, pretty bad cuz then they'd be POS
0: and that oh, would be like that rapper dude that was great maybe that would have been more worthwhile to them actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so, I
1: could I could see uh, you know uh, a rap version of Property is going over really 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 well?
0: Oh yeah, um, that you know I'm um, I'm really knowledgeable about that, and in fact we're even going to get into that in a little bit. Um, so yeah, again those are kind of the differences why I was more easily let out. Um, I will not speak for the other two websites in terms of their happiness with Spin Media, but I will just say. We had everyone had the exact same situation as I did with the company. Um, So I can't really imagine that anyone would be truly happy in this situation just because it was such a heartbreaking and continually struggle filled thing. Um, So but regardless, feel free to check out under the gun. They're still doing good stuff and hopefully won't be going away anytime soon. Uh, I like that site. Yeah, they're not too terrible.
1: <laughs> Someone asks, I've always been told that older record players have less parts and aren't digital, so they therefore sound better. Can you shed any light on this and dispel if it was true or back up if it is? I don't like this way this is phrased, um, but let me give you some better guidelines. In, if a record player says Crosley on it, it sounds terrible. If a record player says USB, unless it's the music hall USB turntable, it sounds terrible. And yes, you don't want any digital in your record player. Digital is bad. The whole reason you're getting a record player is to stay analog. But older record players don't necessarily sound better because there was tons of junk produced throughout time. So that's way too general of a statement um, to make. But, you know, in general, like a lot of Audio Technica and Technics, um, Newmark, you can put great cartridges on those. And Get some great sounds out of them. Um, so and those are modestly priced. You can get a lot of those for under a hundred dollars very easily on your eBay or Craigslist
0: or garage sale explorations. So that's my two cents. And like Jesse said, regardless of Crosley even never just never buy a record player in urban outfitters, even if it has a different brand name on it. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. You're going to be better off. I spent a lot of money at uh, Urban Outfitters. Yeah, this you got that Lord record? I
1: mean, no, well, you know, I already got that. What kind you know, of socks but, did you buy, Jesse? See, you, you hit the nail on the
0: head. I got some new socks. I uh, I might be dabbling in real socks sometime soon. I haven't quite decided yet. I only have two real pairs of socks, and they're both by Macbeth. Thank you, Macbeth. Uh, you know, I'll, I also have one pair of Blink-182 socks. They're great. They're pink, and, uh, they're pink and yellow. I'm sure they're great. Thank you. Next uh, thing of follow-up, which gets into my rap career, is um, there's a long and kind of bitter throwback at, at Properties Act by a few people on Twitter over the last few weeks about why, uh, why we cover uh, the frontman of Attila being a scumbag but we, and we try to explain. Well,
1: but by saying scumbag, we mean that he, why we, you cover him saying re, uh, homophobic and sexist things constantly. Yes. Why, why we point that and, out and, and making a soundboard of it, which I know a lot of our listeners really enjoyed in last week's episode. Fuck
0: my fuck. My, uh, you know, my mom said it was a great episode, but she didn't comment on that. <laughs> uh, I wonder if she just thought that was me being loud and obnoxious. There's probably a good chance, actually. Uh, I feel
1: you know, I'm, uh,
0: before we before we were taping this episode, I had a phone call from my dad. He didn't bring it up either, but mm. usually mm. he brings it up when he's disappointed in you. <laughs>
1: But whereas my father uh, emailed me in the middle of the night saying uh, he woke my mother up laughing when you said that your father was going to be upset with me about
0: recommending all the podcasts. <laughs> well, you know, uh, so so the criticism from a few individuals was that Properties Act sometimes brings attention to people like Franz of Attila, yet, uh, and since this is just a timely example that I could think up, we don't bring attention to Eminem saying he's going to punch Lana Del Rey in a new song. It's it's like a in some ways it's tricky, and I think in some ways it's incredibly simple. Like what we cover is music in the underground scene, and that could range from pop punk to hardcore to metalcore to Bonnie Iver on a weird day. And I have so it's using Eminem as a just an example, like. I know nothing about hip hop or rap. Um, I I don't know. I know things from reading things over the years. I know that I, it's not music I listen to. It's not it's not something that I feel I can comfortably post or comment on. And I don't think it's something that's relevant to the readers that come to the website. Um, in a different way than, say, uh, a cause like net neutrality that could affect everyone in the world versus if you like hip hop, if you love hip hop, you probably read a hip hop site too for your music news. And I don't think you're going to come to Properties from to hear from someone who has repeatedly on occasion said he has no problem with hip hop. It's just not his thing, even a little bit. And to then start covering it. In fact, to me, that would be kind of gross because it would clearly be for some kind of page view thing. And I don't want to cover Eminem threatening someone to get traffic and potentially money out of that. Like that—that's just not my interest. And I don't know, like maybe you think I should be covering that, but then it's should I be? I—I I don't think you
1: should. Be. You know what's really funny is I found Eminem saying that stuff. I mean, I know this isn't the macro of it, but like I found Eminem. It's like this is like being like, oh wow, Ted Nugent's still saying dumb things about politics. Like Eminem's gonna be a misogynist till the day he dies. And like getting up in arms that he's still doing it, it's like, dude, he's gonna be like in a wheelchair and like talking about beating women with a cane. <laughs> you know, this this is this is not going away. This is the dude shtick. And sadly, you know, he's the most consistently
0: deliverable uh,
1: chart topping hit maker in the history of music.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Most of the tweets I saw in response to that specific Eminem thing were literally "water is wet." yeah i I, I, like when i saw that he did this
1: i was like no shock and you know as somebody who does follow a lot of hip-hop stuff and you know i want want to make a a a observation i made this week is that like i remember you are you're always plugging that roderick on the line thing and when i just when i told you that i uh extremely disliked listening to that podcast. I, and then you said that you wish our podcast was more like it. I realized I wished our podcast was more like Jesus versus Marrow, which is this really good hip hop podcast. I realized that's the inner that makes this podcast work.
0: Yeah. We're, we're just excellent. We're just excellent at what we do. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I just wanted to say to the people questioning that like, It's not because I think that he should be threatening women or whatever, right? Or anyone, right? It's just not my place of comfort to comment on. And I would feel kind of way out of uh, my reach and also a little gross to comment on that. But however, if something like Attila that we'll get into in about 30 seconds um, comments on just insane things, like I, I think that is well within my jurisdiction and also kind of you know like uh big quotes duty you know to to handle um that's d-u-t-y yeah he's not he's not he's not trying to you know be cute exactly i'm not trying to blink 182 stuff up right now so right after we taped last week um our boy franz released a a marketing a marketing ploy well two of them at once was there a second one
1: Oh, yeah. You know, I, I guess you didn't see this because you didn't click on it, but you could also fronzify yourself. Like, remember, like, those blingy oh, things? I saw that. And I was, I, I was going to make one of you, but then I realized I actually have this thing called work to do during the day. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs>
0: remember that one time I had, like, while we were podcast? oh, God, Thomas, like, photoshopped something of you.
1: Oh, he, he, he photoshopped me into, an, uh, funny enough, into an Attila sweater. Oh, yeah. During the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, all, it's always it a tell It comes back. That'll just be the show art this week. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Lo- love it. Love it. But, so we wanted, though, to, you know, so one of the things on that, I mean, in addition to him saying cunt on there, he also says, so who's the faggot now? Which um I incidentally tweeted at, at him asking if that's a cute game we could play backstage sometime. <laughs> call me Franz. Call me sexy. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I, and, you know... Unsurprisingly enough, I kind of, alongside Buddy from Senses Fail, kind of called him out, Franz, out for that on on Twitter. And, yes, you, you, me, and Buddy. Yeah. Unsurprisingly enough, we got a lot of hate back. That of course the word faggot is okay, and of course it is in every right for him to say that. And Franz has repeated many times that he is not homophobic and he just uses the word just because and repeat me. If you've ever heard this about racism, sexism or anything in the world before, <laughs> like, yeah, to the, I, it just, there's no real, there's no response that's effective to individuals like that because their brain is blocked off from it. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, the, I
1: mean, the, you know, I thought those was the, the funny responses. There was one kid I saw in the thread that I started and you know, you identified as Christian in his profile, and I'm, and, and you know, the, the, before I could even get there, somebody said, "So what if um, somebody was saying uh, w- was uh, saying uh, bad things about Christians?" He said, "Well, we live in a Christian nation, and that's where you realize these people know nothing because we live in a secular nation." <laughs>
0: I just yeah, this is just one of those situations that bums me out so much. And I and I thought Buddy on Twitter had some really great comments that I firmly agree with. Is just that it's not only the band that should be like kind of slapped around for this, but to me, what was kind of in just thinking about the company, the record label Razor and Tie. That yes, I have publicly had issues with them, and we spoke about this on the podcast a few episodes ago. But to me, that has nothing to do with it. To me, it's like. And the, you know, this sound, the soundboard thing is kind of a genius thing. Like, I think it's fantastic as a marketing ploy, right? Like if a, band, if a band that was not so gross did this, I would, I would be talking about this on this episode right now about how it's super great and creative, you know, but to me, like they you know, they must've been sitting in their nice uh, downtown Manhattan offices, Razor and tie, and someone had to go. So what things should we include in the soundboard and, you know derogatory term derogatory term and to me like what does the likely one out of or multiple out of however like gay employees in the razor and tie office like cope with that or how does you know how does the how does the head of marketing or the owner of the label whose son i know get like you know hold themselves you know fall asleep at night or whatever with thinking We're just promoting this to tens of thousands of people, and uh, I'm having someone that's potentially gay in my employ do that. To me, it's like on like the band is clearly they're just like not the best individuals, obviously. But to me, the label to be doing that is just so. It's just a letdown, and like like there's no. I I now kind of have a major lack of desire to do anything with any of their bands as they're just kind of promoting someone that is wholly promoting, like, homophobic tendencies to an audience that is just a sponge, you know?
1: And as well, they have the other band, uh, For Today, that uh, writes long essays on gay marriage and how wrong it is, so fuck them. It's just,
0: like... You know, if their publicist now ever emails me back, why do I think I don't, you don't want us, if their publicist ever emails me back asking why I think Razor and I doesn't want to work with me anymore, I'm just going to respond back, actually, I don't want to work with you anymore, here's a link to why and it's just a shame, like and those, those things are not ever okay to say, especially, especially in 2000 and soon to be 2015, you know like, you can't fire Zach because he quits, man. Yeah, I quit. I quit all the time. I'm a sellout and a quitter. You know what? You'd never quit at being the king of the defend pop punk board. My guys. My guys and girls.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, with the last bit of follow-up, somebody said they really enjoyed listening to our segment about sexism and feminism in the pop punk scene. Well, thank you. And it was very thought-provoking. I know. I know. We're good like that. And I agree with what you both had to say on the matter. It also made me want to ask you your opinion on bands like Nothing and Were calling people pussy on their Facebook pages. Is it different in any in any way, and should it be tolerated? What do you think, Zach?
0: Uh, I think bands like Were and Nothing, I don't, I don't really have any comment on their music itself, but um, I, I think they're clearly trying to stir the pot. Uh, I don't know much about nothing doing things like that, but Word has a long rap list of uh, making super sexist and offensive comments purely to rile people up. Uh, like, that is their shtick. It's truly a shtick. Uh, and that is why people like them, because it is, in air quotes, super bunk and cool. Uh, I think it's pretty lame. I don't think you need, like, I think there are plenty of ways to be stirring up the pot without calling. Yeah. I think the, the, the way they do it, the method
1: isn't great. I agree with the sentiment that sometimes it is good to push back against a bad review. You have that sometimes you can do it. I don't think the way they did it was very thought provoking or interesting or mature. I can think of a lot of other adjectives. It could have been done a lot better.
0: Yeah. The, you. Yeah. Like there, you know, you can piss people off and be cool, but with pissing, you can be cool for pissing people off without, Being an idiot, I think, (laughs) yeah, and like to get to the sentiment. What they're saying is like they're kind of
1: saying, okay, so it's saying pussy. I think as a community we have to define that, and I think that that gets defined. Like you know, we had an incident on this podcast where I said, as the person put it, the R word, which is retarded. If you are not familiar, as somebody who's a little older, I think you know uh, I was never really privy to, and you know I'm a very far left. PC kind of guy. And I was never privy to that. This was a big deal to say, and it kind of shocked me when I got in trouble for it. And I think we make standards throughout the community, and we figure this out all together over time. So I think uh, if you don't like people saying pussy, you mention it, and you rile people up on your side, and eventually we're all going to suss this out, because I think we've all sussed out that it's not okay to say
0: faggot, which is why we just had this last segment. Oddly enough, I was just reading an article last week how Amy shit what's her name Schumer is that a thing? Yes, Amy yes, Schumer, she, she's awesome. How Amy Schumer uh, got uh, the overlords of Comedy Central to, al- to allow writers to uh, put in the word "pussy" into Comedy Central shows now because. Why can everyone say dick, but no one can say the word pussy? Um, mm. so oddly enough, I thought that was pretty interesting and relatedly unrelated. Um, and that popped up last week, but yeah, that's very cool. She rules, yeah, she is cool. And uh, you know, it all started on Hoppus on Music, her TV show with Mark Hoppus. I did not know that, mm-hmm. yeah, it didn't last too long, but it was there. She was her, she was his uh, co host, and then the show. Did not work out, and then she blew up. <laughs> funny. She's yeah. a really funny girl. Yeah, she is. Um, so to take a quick sponsor break, um, property not property, Zach, uh, Off the Record is brought to you this week by um, O Promotions. Uh, bands, labels, and clothing companies, uh, watch out. O Promotions is a full-service company for your merchandising needs. Uh, shirts, sweatshirts, fanny packs, koozies, and anything in between, O Promotions is ready for your order. With over 25 years of experience, find a better and more secure partner for your merch printing and at a great cost. Um, any merchandise like a fanny pack that you might get from uh, Bad Timing or Property exact, etc., and maybe even JTree is from O Promotions. Um, so you can go to opromotions.net for more details. And if you go to the show notes, there will be direct um, email and phone number information as well. Thanks to O Promotions. Um, so, as a as a quick hit, um, as interesting news popped up today, uh, it looks like podcasts are be are going to be coming to Spotify, um, which uh, is interesting. Timed as Deezer, a European streaming service like Spotify, bought the podcast company Stitcher just a month ago, and uh, now Spotify is looking to get into that game as well. I think this is kind of great, honestly. Like, if I could listen to, you know, it's just one more place to listen to everything in one area. Um, well, yeah. what I think it's an interesting play is that it's Spotify
1: trying to get into the thing of how they obsolete your iTunes. I think that that's always been an interesting thing is that they initially with their desktop app, there was like Mog RDO and Spotify and their early versions would do that thing like where they'd like let you upload your iTunes library into it so that you could then sync some of that so you wouldn't have to use iTunes anymore almost as a replacement. It seems like maybe they're seeing this as an angle of how they get iTunes and Apple apps out of your life.
0: Yeah, and I think... That's not really a, a bad plan on their part. Um, I'd be curious to see if it goes successfully. I mean, I guess I'm curious. there's a few things that are kind of interesting. How did this like? How did the podcast get on Spotify? Can Off the Record then be on Spotify? Is it just going to be NPR, like etc. Like, well, there's no there's no details. So we'll come back to it when there are on a future episode, but. Pretty interesting. I think uh, anything that can push along long podcast to more potential people is great. Obviously, so well, we
1: are in the great podcast renaissance, as I read in every single article uh, that is published yes. in every single day. And I do agree. Like you know, when you're listening to podcasts like Serial and Startup right now, there's a lot of podcasts that are really upping the game right now. And you know, off well, the, record. the record,
0: yeah. Um, in late breaking news, as we record this podcast. Vagrant Records was bought by BMG, a, uh, I guess a major label. That was really shocking to me as I was in class a few hours ago, <laughs> and I and uh, I was learning how to do a settlement sheet, a settlement sheet that I uh, failed the first homework for because I'm not a booking agent. And uh, I and every and the teachers are like, everyone needs to pay attention to this. And across Twitter rolls this out, and I uh, I don't know what happened for the rest of the class, but. <laughs> I, y- y- so you were shocked by this i was sh- sort of shocked uh i talked to a few friends like right after i sent the link to- link to them and all of them individually on their own said vagrant used to pitch us by the fact that they were an independent label and had been so successful and they continue to be independent
1: well from what i know on the air quotes inside it seems like vagrant has had these years of rumors about how the higher ups have been checked out, and it's gone through these different incarnations like you know we you know what's trying to like really get into it is like vagrant was this super punk label. then they picked up the ghetto kids and then they kind of became the cool scene label. but like it's had so many different incarnations and now. Um, And then people got really, you know, when they started picking up a lot of these, like, more legacy or pop acts and even, like, the Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros thing. But now they have this thing of they have arguably the most successful non-legacy alternative act in the world right now, the 1975. Maybe I'm not wrong about that because I guess Imagine Dragons and stuff like that would be bigger. But definitely the biggest independent one. And so I was kind of like, well, how long before somebody's going to inject some major label money into... To 1975. The record's selling great. It's definitely the most acclaimed year record of the year. Every musician I know is a uh, a big fan of that record. In fact, your your boys knuckle puck just did a cover of them on Punk Goes Pop. Please check that out
0: and make sure not to listen to most of the rest of the comp. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's really bad. They did a great job, though. Even though I tweeted at them and told them they should have done Chocolate Rain instead.
0: Oh my God, that's a great idea.
1: Yeah. <laughs> see, see, this is what you gotta call me before these decisions, guys. Come on. This comes as no shock to me because, yeah, somebody should be getting that 1975 money and putting more money into spreading that band around because, man, it's just doing so well. And I do think they're doing a great job of what they're doing there anyway. But, like, if the owners are checked out, you know, why not sell? Why not cash in? You got a huge record right now. let that's do you know, that's doing seven thousand uh in New York City in two weeks from now. You know, that's pretty huge.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I just thought it was super interesting. I mean, there's there's a few like funny parts of the article. Like so the the Billboard article that's in the show notes, uh it lists all of you know, the the artists that are apparently of note that like clearly vagrant gave to billboard for the press release. And there's no mention of anything like uh get Up kids or a thrice or saves a day or any of the, or city in color, even uh, any of those art- artists. It's just like 1975, 1975, 1975, which I think is kind of clearly why this deal happened. As you are saying, like um, they're currently the labels bestseller. They've sold over 200,000 copies in the past year. Like, it's a lot. Um, it's just, I mean, it's, it's certainly something and it makes me wonder, I I think there, it, to me, it it pops up more questions of things that, uh, potential listeners may not be aware of. Like, uh, vagrant also, um, owns, I guess owns, I mean, uh, uh, vagrant has an, has several imprints under them, smaller labels. One is staple records, that released Census, Fail last, Census Fail's last record. Uh, Census Fail have notably signed to Pure Noise now, um, but they have they have a sub-label where they were putting everything that they deemed no longer cool. Also, uh, Vagrant put out a lot of Spute's last record under an imprint called Better Living, I believe. So I wonder what the deal with that is now. Um, there's just some interesting questions that pop up because of that move, I think, that we'll probably see play out in time, but I, I guess now a may you know, I guess now a lot of spewed is a major label artist or something. Like I, I'm just, I don't know how that deal worked out. Um, so there's, there's definitely interesting offshoots. Like we'll see when thrice reunite. And I know nothing about that. I just assume they will reunite because Dustin is no longer working for the crazy church guy. Um, what is that? Mars Hills? Yeah. Mars Hills. Um, (laughs) that I I just assume that there will be a thrice record now.
1: Who would have thought uh, the religion would be crazy that was named after a colony on another planet? It's like those are always the sanest ones.
0: Aren't you surprised Tom DeLonge wasn't a part of that? (laughs)
1: <laughs> with his, his UFO Huffington Post thing, <laughs> yeah, UFO. Yeah, but he's, he's he's not down with Big J in the sky though. That's I true.
0: I don't think he is either. But anyway, yeah. So I, I'm just mo- uh, actually. But what about that "Help Me Jesus" uh,
1: lyric then again? Oh, that's a great song. Look, 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 look at me being an encyclopedia of Blink One Eighty Two lyrics. what are we doing here? Uh, you're beating you, me to the punch. Oh no, my, oh my God, this is crazy.
0: <laughs> Just an interesting thing, though. I mean, Vagrant used to be, and certainly before my time, but in your time, like they were a powerhouse in multiple eras over multiple genres, right?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, there was a time that Vagrant was definitely the kind of you know what's like funny is like you know how like Rise is Epitaph's rival in uh, size right now. Uh, I think that. Vagrant was, for a time, Epitaph's foil.
0: Yeah, I mean, frankly, even I remember, like, I've had conversations over the past few months with the Jade Street guys where it's like, yeah, and then all of a sudden, one day, Vagrant decided that they were going to buy all the talent. Yeah, kind kind, of the thing. Not even necessarily in a mean way, just like that. One day, uh, Vagrant was just kind of like, we've got some money, we're going to use it, and we're going to own everything. And there's no problem with that. Greg Garowitz is currently using that you know, idea as well as that Epitaph has all the money and He's in bad religion, so uh, he's going to go get what he wants. And I don't have a problem with that. But it's, it's just interesting, that vagrant. Hey, they earn it. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, uh, Ronnie Rocky and the offspring.
1: <laughs> 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 the offspring hasn't been on that label in years, have they? Dude,
0: Think about the think about all that royalty.
1: Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Pretty probably, they, they definitely made a lot of money. They definitely made it. No, that record is not on Epitaph. Oh. You are not You are not right. They left Epitaph after Smash.
0: Well, they got Smash. Oh. Yes. <laughs> that's only and That record sold that's only 16 Diamond. million. Yeah, that's only Diamond. <laughs> yeah. Um, I bet they get some good syncs from that.
1: Anytime somebody's got to do a, a, a uh, movie from the
0: 90s, you're, if you, it's a particular year, you're probably going to play that song. Totally. Cool. Um, so moving on, uh also a lot happened in streaming and Taylor Swift stuff this week. I've just oh, kind man. of it's like we're the Taylor Swift podcast. Jesus. Yeah, I just I think uh I, I don't know that the actual follow-up on the subject will ever end. So I think yeah. yeah, I think I think we now talk more about Taylor Swift than anything else. Um but uh, in the show notes are uh, links to the past two episodes where we talked extensively about Taylor Swift, um, so you can listen there. Taylor Swift and her fight
1: with Spotify. We yes. should say we're not we're not just sitting there talking about how cute she looks in poodle skirts.
0: Jesse is, did not talk about that, but i, 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 don't, I I'm, not, I'm not into her so. I did so mm. uh and I mean, you can even go to the show notes and click a link that says Taylor Swift versus Spotify and vote which you think is more right. Taylor currently has a slight lead Ugh. uh so uh, part of what we talked about last week was. The Taylor Swift's head of her record label and Spotify's founder are now just dueling in public. They both think it's great press. I would argue that it's better press for Taylor Swift as she is just finding ways to completely own, like, whether you like her music or not. I don't like her new album, but like whether you like her music or not, like this is just, I think, benefiting her. It's just like she is just owning all the conversations.
1: She, she, she's on the cover. So yesterday I was in the Port Authority bus terminal and there was a whole thing just plastered with her on the cover of Time and Bloomberg.
0: Yeah, she is owning it, and frankly, like, all this, interestingly enough, like, you know, she's had articles in, like, the Wall Street Journal business stuff because she is just talking, whether, again, whether you think she's right or wrong, she's having all these opportunities to talk about how she views the music landscape and money and music and all of that stuff, and so now not only is she getting her normal... Music y looks, but she's on the cover of Time. Uh, she's being taken seriously for columns in these business focused outlets, and it is kind of just kind of brilliant. Uh, you know, she sold 400,000 more records last week. She's gonna sell, I think, at least another two or 300 this week. Like, this is working for her, clearly, I think. And so, what what I was trying to get at is, Originally, um, someone projected that I think the number was Taylor Swift was making like 50,000 grand or 50,000 grand. Sorry, 50 grand, um, from shake it off plays on Spotify per week. And, uh, the spot on uh, Taylor Swift's record label guy said, that's not true. We've actually not even earned 500,000 in all, in all of 2014. Yet, um, uh, yeah, Daniel Elk from Spotify said that she was going to make millions of dollars this year. So they're just fighting. And we actually don't know who's accurate, but I kind of I kind of feel like Spotify...
1: Well, but then there's the other thing, too, of that. Then when Taylor says it, they're also like, you know, um, Spotify's kind of like, hey, your label's taking a lot of that money away from you. And then there's another thing that I should get into about the way people fudge these numbers often, which is that you got to remember streaming pays two different royalties. There's a performance and a songwriting royalty. And a lot of what gets people mad is the songwriting royalty. People get extremely upset over this. And what they often do is they just show one of those two royalties to try to make the services look bad. And don't mention the fact that yes, there's this performance royalty as part of the DMCA, uh, the digital millennium copyright act. Uh, And so, this is kind of like a famous trick is like it goes back to that general thing of like, you know, the sources are always manipulating the facts like, you know, what you see in politics. So, yes, we don't really know who to believe in. um there's there's weird things that come down the pike like, you know um, today while I was on uh, Twitter, I saw a crazy article that says uh, Spotify says per play royalties will likely never go up. That's a little little weird. Um, I don't know that like where that's sourced from. It's on uh, digital music news, but like that's kind of the opposite of what they always
0: say. <laughs> the shittiest music website in the world.
1: Yeah, they are the fucking worst. We can talk about that some other time. There's a lot of confusing data about this, and I'm kind of like, I, I, I we've now wrung our hands through this so much. I'm a little like, you know what? We can sit and be pundits, and you know, a lot of what people come here to listen to is our opinions and try to sort this out with them. But I think we've hit the point where it's like, all right, we got to wait for the cards to all land on the ground and see where some of this goes.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I, I would, I would just say I think they're both probably fudging numbers, you know. Um, I'm sure. And the, the thing is like the point of this is not money. The point of this is power <laughs> and that leads to more money in the future. Um, but I think we're seeing that Taylor Swift has more power than Spotify here. Um, and well, she's definitely got a way better publicist right, for sure. And it's, I think like in a lot of ways, and this is certainly why people hate Taylor Swift. Like, she is she is playing the victim here, and it doesn't it doesn't look good of Spotify to be bullying like a lot of America's princess, not your princess, not your princess, and not my princess, but a lot of America's princess, and it just looks, I think,
1: overall pretty petty. Agreed. Well, so I think that's another thing to remember too. As I think we you kind of just touched on this is that like so much of this is a publicist going around to people and saying. Hey, would you like to do an article on this? And we have to always remember that. That I see so many people shouting Taylor's opinions, like, "Oh, this is cool," but like, you know, there's a lot of facts that are not on her side that show that what she did was kind of a selfish decision. I just don't see that voice being amplified because that voice doesn't have a good publicist.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and one thing that is in the show notes that. Everyone is free to obviously agree or disagree with. Um, a, a good tech podcast that I listen to called Exponent that. There's much more kind of uh, business-minded and, and market stuff, which may be way over a lot of people's head that's listening to this and that's okay. But that interesting com- uh, conversation I thought about this Taylor Swift and Spotify thing about the discussion of value and a lot of what she has personally written about in these op-eds and multiple outlets has been just because digital music should be free or should cost a dollar or whatever, That that's a different value to you than it is to me and That brings on a whole other thing that money can't buy that or money can buy that. And I just thought it was a pretty interesting conversation if anyone has time to check out a new podcast. Uh, Some other stuff. Well, there was one question. Do we want to answer that? Jesse and Zach. As a fan of music uh, and not necessarily the music industry, why should I give a shit that some vapid... Oh, wow. This is a nice question. Give a shit that some vapid, selfish pop star sold a million records. How is it good for music that Taylor Swift has been granted savior status as if she is going to somehow save the music industry, which might not need saving? Isn't that part of corporate media conglomeration we should somewhat fear? Ian Mackay, Var, who is Var? Uh, you know, I learned this and now I don't remember it, but I remember Var
1: Vickens, I want to say what it was.
0: Uh, Ian Mackay, I... Var, Fat Mike. Brett Garowitz, these guys I admire. They made our, their scenes very successful. You want to go first or me? I mean, this guy kind of sounds to me like you 20 years ago, I imagine.
1: but Wait, when I look up Varg, oh, because that, that's Varg Vickerns, and that's the guy who, from Burzum who killed somebody.
0: Oh, good guy. <laughs> I, uh,
1: you know, there was another var. I want to say he ran like a distribution back in the day. or uh, You know, this is the problem. is This is my 90s information, and when you don't remember things, because you don't discuss them for 10 years, you sometimes forget them. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm happy to talk about Media Conglomeration. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. Sellout. She's promoting the major labels, and she's getting more popular. I don't think this is good for the music industry. And anybody's saying it's a savior. She's not getting other people to buy music of other artists. She's getting her fans to buy her music and everything she did selfish. And no, you shouldn't. I don't think you should care. And you know what? I think it's even better if for the most part, we um ignore this as a whole, as we give this more of a voice, but we come, you know, part of this podcast is giving you notes so you don't have to read 20 articles, but I agree that, yeah, she's making the world worse. She's enabling these uh, major labels to buy up more uh, vagrant records and things like that and conglomerate and have more power and push down the democratization of music. And I, you know, I'm all for the democratization of music. And she, this is making it worse. So, yeah, fuck her. Yet again, really shocking. I'm saying fuck her.
0: I don't think she's hurting really anything. Um I don't think she's the savior by any means. I I think she is the true of all the exceptions to all the rules. Taylor Swift, in my mind is the largest artist in the world. uh, Currently not of like all Mm -hmm. time or anything. And to me that, that clearly says she's not, you know, if if she was a savior and was changing things, we would see um, a lot more of sizable artists like her, which we don't. So I, I don't think she's like that at all. I think she is just someone that can sell music. Uh, as her brand, her brand is to sell music and she does a really, really fantastic job of selling music and of touring and all that. But to me, that has nothing to do with whether she's a savior or not, or that we should fear. I don't, I don't think there's anything to fear here. If we're talking about a situation where it plays back into Spotify or streaming services, if for like that's a chicken and an egg scenario. I don't necessarily believe, and I've said this before, that Spotify's the end game. I don't. I don't think that I'm going to be listening to Spotify in five years. I don't think Taylor Swift hurts making that happen. I think there's something better there. I think there's something better for a lot of the music industry to find, whether it ever does or not. Um, the past twenty years have shown that the music industry will never save itself, but. I don't think Taylor Swift should be to blame for the music industry somehow becoming more hurt as if it wasn't going to do that all by its own. So I, so I have a bit of bit, bit of a, I have a
1: small bone to pick with what you said. So when I was coming up, there would be kind of these shitty punk arguments, like kind of like one we're going to discuss in a future episode that we're taping this week. But like what the, kid with the crass patch on his leather jacket would often say is that every time you buy a major label record, you're enabling a system that pushes down the small artists and pushes up, you know, Britney Spears or whoever. This was a very 1990s, late eighties discussion of just that. You wanted to buy records on indie labels only and buy used Uh, copies of the major label records you wanted if you wanted to be this ultimately ethical person and while I find this to be like so tiring it was ideologically true and I think this is still the case is that money into Taylor's pocket is money into the major labels who are going to try to do everything they can to maintain their power and keep the YouTube star down and keep the band that's just doing, you know, keep bad timing records down um, and in their place, and make sure that they have places where they only have the access, make sure they can only get the counter at Starbucks, make sure they can only, you know, have these places where they get preferential treatment, they get the cover of Spotify, not necessarily the bands that would really be recommended to them. I think there's something to be said for that there is some harm that is done with Taylor Swift, but it's a very idealistic and big picture place.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, the whole thing you mentioned about bad timing, like, I guess it would be nice to have a knuckle puck CD on the shelves of Starbucks, maybe? (laughs) Uh, You know, but, like, I also don't think there's anything wrong with uh, a successful small business and a successful large business, you know? Like, my mother's business could be considered a successful small business for upwards of 30 years, you know? And there are corporate conglomerate branding and media companies uh, compared to my mother's small business that I guess could keep her down. But like, I and maybe this is just because it has been like this and I don't think about it because I was born into this environment when I started this business with Thomas that's like, of course, I can't have my record on Starbucks counters because um, you know Big Machine owns that retail space when Taylor Swift releases a new music, and we released uh, we released Knucklepuck CD on the same day as Taylor Swift. What dummies are we? You know. Well, technically, you released it the day after, which was kind of smart, which we discussed. So I said, I said, fuck you to the man. Yeah. Fuck that ADA, man. ADA sent me an email said I had to change the release date, and I said, watch me not do that, guys. It was great. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah. It wasn't much take, of a showdown. Take that take that, punk rocker. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I just think I think the question is as much as an overreaction as someone saying Taylor Swift is a savior to music. Like, yeah. it's just... it Honestly, it doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah. What she's doing with Spotify right now is to further her career, and she's doing a great job of it. What Spotify is doing right now is they think they can win a battle that eventually... I can own om- well, a battle. They have to win a half a battle. They have to win that there. I think they will certainly lose. Um, so I, I, yeah,
1: I, I, you know, what I thought was a very funny thing of this. that we didn't get to talk about yet that it was, uh, seeing how many bands were like, uh, there's like a Facebook thread of like, so who's pulling their music next, man. And it's like, you know, these small bands do it. It's like, go right ahead. You're just shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> Anybody who goes on team Taylor and pulls their music, Good luck. Best of luck to you. Yeah, it's just, it's just not worth you. it. She, can, you, you can do that when you're the biggest artist in the world. Anybody smaller, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah,
0: and that's what we were talking about. Like, she, she matters as much and as little to this scenario. You know, Spotify does need her, but she doesn't need Spotify. And she doesn't need Spotify because she's going to sell several hundred thousand CDs priced at $15 in Target. Um, every week for many weeks. Uh, Meanwhile, if Knucklepuck pulled their music off of Spotify tomorrow, we'd be losing hundreds to thousands of dollars a month and and people that won't be buying or already do buy our record. I think more
1: importantly is your music wouldn't be getting shared as much and other people's music would get shared and that would take up the finite amount of time. People have to listen to new bands Totally, yeah. and you would not get discovered as much and your progress would stall a bit.
0: I agree. And that's almost a good tie in into this whole uh, punk goes pop thing that was released today. Um, the fearless compilation, like a lot of people, just friends were like, why did knuckle puck do this? And I was like, well, they liked the song. Um, frankly, fearless gave us a little money to record the song. And, um, you know, I've been searching through Knucklepuck's tag on Twitter, and they've never had a busier like mention um, day as today because there are all these people on Fearless' fan base or Punko's series' fan base that have no idea who Knucklepuck are that are just checking out the song. And I've only seen under five people dislike the song on Twitter. I'm sure a lot more dislike it, but just the people saying Knucklepuck without even tagging the band Everyone seems to love the song, and maybe that means those people are going to check it out. Maybe that means they're going to listen to it on Spotify, and then once they like the cover of Chocolate, they're going to click the URL to Knucklepuck's name and listen to the new EP. You know, like a situation like this is the perfect reasoning for a smaller band to, to be on a service like that or to try something weird and new. And it, I already see that it's paying off. Um, <laughs> There's just been so many tweets about it. And then there's all these like nineteen seventy-five fan clubs tweeting about it. And these are people that would never hear of the band or listen to one song or more than one song, probably ever, you know. And that's a, a great point of
1: advice about why it's great to do cover songs because you win that other band's fan base and they're dire fan nerds. So do you have any recommendations?
0: I uh, I went to Two shows uh, this weekend, both. Actually, I went to three shows in three days this weekend. But I saw Andrew McMahon twice this weekend, uh, once in Philly, once in D.C. Um, I will just recommend, as I probably have before, Everything in Transit by Jacks Mannequin, um, even though Jesse thinks that's uh, pop rock garbage, one of my favorite records of all time, and... Um, it's just so good live. Go see this show in general live if you ha- if, if it hasn't passed you already. That's all I've got. Um, I'm going to
1: recommend a company, actually. So, uh, corporate Other, conglomerate, trash. Small, small, small company, dudes. Come on. Come on. Uh, Otherworld Computing, aka Mac, M A C, I've been using them for 15, 16 years. They are the best place to buy hard drives and RAM from. Their hard drives, they're called Mercury Elites, um, are the only hard drives you'll ever buy that don't fail all the time, like, you know, the tons of other companies. Like, I don't want to disparage other companies, but I've had terrible experience with almost every other hard drive company. RAM is always a pain in the ass. Everything they do, they sell a quality product for a better price, and I wish more people use them because I constantly get drives in the mail of people's records. The drive's dead, and the drive stops spinning. I never have that happen because I use other world computing, and when it does happen, they fix it for me for free, and that's not because they just give me special treatment. They have amazing customer service, and I wanted to recommend that since I know a lot of our users have to buy hard drives at time. You should be backing up your data, and uh, I can't recommend them enough.
0: Wasn't even a solicited sponsor, Read. Thank you to everyone for listening to Off the Record this week. Head to Offtherecord.fm to check out show notes to leave us any feedback. Jesse can be found at Twitter at Jesse Cannon. I'm at ZZarillo, and our podcast is at Off The Record FM. We'll be back next week.